Hey, this is Dave Bryan. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Jeff Howie's back. Jeff, thanks for taking more time out of another day. It's always fun to be here and talk to you and couple of you know the two or three listeners or thousands of listeners them, yes. that follow yeah exactly yeah always always fun to get here well i appreciate you coming back and last time jeff was here we talked about the technical project manager job or technical program manager uh, which i've been talking to more and more people since that podcast about what that job is why it keeps showing up like a bad penny yeah. um and now since i guess since that last interview there have been Thousands and thousands of people laid off in IT who need work. There's also people who are always going through certification, right? So um, part of this, I think, is focusing on part of what we're going to talk about. How do you make yourself more attractive if you're looking for a gig? And what do you do after you get those basic certifications? Because even though it's called a certified Scrum Master, it doesn't make you a master of anything. <laughs> well, yes. And, you know, I, it's funny because I think, well, my certified scrum master, the first time I took that and, and got that designation was over 15 years ago, right? Yeah. And I, I honestly believe still, even though I teach and coach a lot of scrum masters and product owners, I'm still learning. And that that's yeah. kind of the, the concept. And I think the whole point of the, the conversation I want to get into a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big deal for me. Like I had dinner last night with my Kottmeyer and he's asking about teaching the classes and he said, don't you get bored? I'm like, I've never been bored in a class. And I think part of it is because for me, even with 15, 20 years of experience, I feel like I show up to class to learn just as much as the students do because they teach me stuff every single time. Um, and I think that that mindset is a big part of it, right? That's part of it. And then the other piece too is that I mean, even though you're in those learning settings, you know, the kind of the training and, and you and I both do the training. So like yeah. we come in, we know what we're going to talk about. We know the flow, we know the slides. We could probably, we probably do recite it in our sleep. Um, you know, much to everyone's, you know, kind it's of very sad existence we live. Yeah. But the interesting part is it's, it's, it's always about the, well, what do I do with it next? Like even yeah. in a class, when you're talking to, you know, 10, 15, 20 people, um, there's always the one or maybe even a good portion of the class where they're in a setting that is totally different from reality or perfection or what the scrum guide says is the way she, things should work. Uh, and you're trying to help them na navigate between, okay, you know, here's what you do as a product owner. Uh, and by the way, you work for this company that wants an annual plan and a roadmap for the next two yeah. years, <laughs> right? How do you really do that and be effective at it without, you know, kind of you know, pulling your hair out and going crazy? Yeah. So I, I want to check with you on one thing before we go further down the path. Like to me, there's, there's three kinds of students. There are the students who are forced to come to class they don't want to be there. They don't know why they're there. They see no value in it, and they're just trying to get through it. There's the students who come to, if it's a certification class, they just want the certification. Or they just want to get through whatever class so they can go do whatever. Like earlier in my career as a project manager, I would go to a class and I would just feed me. Like, just give me the stuff. I'm going to go figure it out on my own. There's other people that come in and they want to engage in conversation and they want to learn and they want to take advantage of their time with the people there to get like a much deeper experience. Yeah. Um, the ones that I find hardest to reach are the ones who are 
prisoners they're sent on their own. <laughs> they're our favorites, right? Yeah. Well, but, but <laughs> they, I mean, it's not their fault. Like they're there. No. And I guess th that's sort of, I really want to find a way to make the stuff relevant to them, even if they can't do it at work. So can you maybe share a little bit about how you help people see ways to exploit what they learn outside of the context of work? Like if they don't have a project, they can use it on. Yeah, there's a, a couple of things that kind of start to come to mind, especially, you know, I joke that those are our favorite types of, you know, kind of participants in classes, right? But in a lot of cases, they're there because they have to learn something to be effective at integrating or understanding how a team works. May not actually be even the way the team works, but there's some nugget. So I think part of it as an instructor, it's understanding what are those nuggets of content or concept that are important. Um, and if you can't really even connect on the business level, pretty much, and I don't know, you, you and I both kind of ascribe to this, there are things we can just do in our day-to-day -day life that are yeah. based on some similar concepts. Like, how can they at least take something from this that they could go do differently and, you know, maybe they love it, maybe they hate it, but they've tried something new. So yeah. finding the, spending enough time up front to understand what's needed and then really listening as you're going through the class, you're kind of identifying those personas like, Oh, what do they really need? You know, they're forced to be here. They're not loving it. Um, I want them to engage as much as the person who like, that's their whole goal is to get there, learn from others, really interact, yeah. build community. So they won't necessarily be on that level into the spectrum, but how can you move them a little bit closer? I think it's also maybe challenging for us because we've both seen how this stuff invades your life and, it's almost like we're knocking on the door, like, have you heard the good news? And like, we're waiting for them to invite us in so we can sell them all kinds of stuff. But I think like product, product ownership is probably the simplest example. Like everybody is a product owner of their own life. Everybody has backlogs they manage all the time. People that don't have a prioritization technique struggle getting stuff done all day long. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's drawing those lines between what we're talking about in class and the stuff you do every minute of the day that, that I think people miss, they can miss an opportunity if they don't take advantage of, of seeing that. Yeah. And, and being able to share those examples beyond just, you know, Hey, here's what I did on this type of product in a you know business setting, even bringing some of those stories that encourages others to, to open up and talk about it. And, and even, you know, kind of the skeptics saying, well, that's just yeah. not going to work for me. You can kind of, you know, relate to that share some examples, maybe even show how it could work if they're, they're open in, in that setting. I think, and I think for people that are looking for work, even if, if you've never been on a scrum team, um, well, simple example, I just did an interview last week with a woman who, when we talked about different aspects of agile and running experiments, she shared a story about getting her son, her five-year-old son to do stuff. And now each day is another experiment and she's <laughs> testing assumptions and she's trying to find right. out like the right way to, to be a servant leader to this small person who she wants them to actually have teeth when they grow up. So that's why they should brush their teeth every night. But um, there's, there's ways you can take this stuff. There's ways you can utilize it. And I think, I don't know. It, it, it just, it doesn't trivialize it. I think there's an opportunity to take that stuff. And if you're going into a job interview and you don't have direct experience on a team and you can still relate it to other things, you can convey that you have the knowledge, you have the experience. Like I understand what it means to work with these different concepts, even if it's outside of a work setting. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of those really important things from a learning and development perspective is that if you're always going to a job and you know you are always qualified, uh, that's one thing. That's great, right? But in a lot of cases, especially with some of these, you know, newer type roles around, uh, you know, pick on that technical program manager, for example, right? They're looking for some scrum master background, some product owner background, some project manager background. It's kind of the rare unicorn that's done all of those. But if you understand the concepts, you know what they are, you can articulate that in the discussions and the interviews. And if you've done, let's say you've been the project manager, great, you meet all of those, tick those boxes with the business setting. They ask you a question about managing a backlog and product ownership. You're like, mm, yeah, let me talk about how I get my kids, you know, PTO group together and do some stuff or how I'm interacting with, you know, kind of my group at, at church in, in managing those types yeah. of things because I'm not doing it in a, a business setting, but I can apply those same concepts from my life. And I think... Um if I have to choose between somebody who can say, come in and say, like, I've been doing Scrum at work, only at work, but just really doing Scrum, and I can get, I've got somebody who says, I haven't had an opportunity to do it at work, but here's all the other places in my life I've been able to fit pieces of it. I would rather hire the second person because they've internalized it in a way they can see opportunities to use these practices beyond just these are the boundaries I have to live within, which is the office. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think more and more that being able, like somebody has internalized it, they know how to apply the things that they've learned. That is really the key. It's not, do I have the certification? Do I know what the scrum guide says? It's, do I know how to apply that in a really messy world of complexities and things that aren't perfect and interacting with other human beings? Yeah. So do you think that certifications, I mean, they're required for job interviews. Do you think they demonstrate expertise in any way like what do you expect if you hire a cspo or a csm what do you expect their skill level to be frankly out of the door if i see the the certifications my initial expectation is that if i use a term or specific you know kind of lexicon that they know what that means like they know what a product backlog item is they know what sprint planning should be they know the difference between, you know, a scrum master and a project manager, for example. Okay. I do not expect them to be able to come in and really articulate clearly how to define a story that ties to a value-based epic all the way up to, you know, connected to the OKRs of a strategy. Yeah. I don't expect that from a CSPO uh, without further investigation and discussion. Okay. So it's, it's interesting. I think your expectations for people coming out of CSM are higher than mine. I expect you to know the phrase sprint planning, but I also <laughs> expect that whatever you think it is, is probably means a lot of tuning. Um, but I agree with you on the vocabulary thing. I always used to say that I would never hire a project manager that wasn't a PMP just because I didn't want to have to explain the difference between work and duration to somebody. Like, you you have an understanding of what these things mean. It might be a little bit flawed, but at least we have a common ground we can start from. And I don't have to go like completely from scratch. Um, Cause I'm just too lazy to, to do that. Yeah. And you, you, you could raise a good example, right? Like in your class, I know you talk about, and you give examples like how to facilitate sprint planning. You give them mm -hmm. example, like, you know, here's a, here's an agenda. Here's who does what, here's the inputs, here's the outputs. I think those are all critical from the, the learning track. Right. If I were 
brand new to this, took the class. I go then try to do that with my team. They start looking at me funny. They don't like the way things flow. They don't really understand. They don't want to participate. Like my world can't fall apart because my real world setting was imperfect from the controlled setting of the team, right? How, or the training, how do I really apply that? I think that's the next level of development. So that you, you just brought up something that came up on a call I had on Friday with, with a guy who's not able to do stuff, um, you know, like by the book at his company. And we were talking about how I think to get the personal satisfaction you need out of some of this stuff, you can kind of start to treat your job like a laboratory. I'm going to use this to be able to develop abilities in this particular aspect of things. Or if they're resistant to sprint planning, it's an opportunity to find a way to try to get people to want to try something that that seems like cauliflower, like they just don't want it. But how do you social engineer that, right? And I apologize to the people that think they like cauliflower, but nobody really does. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think yeah, that's that's interesting, right? Because I think um, you know, from the the trainer perspective, it's always that next step where you start to become the coach. You know, yeah. that's where you're working with individuals to help them contextualize, experiment, and apply these things that they learn. And then I think the other piece of that is giving individuals the tools that they need to do that themselves. Okay, so somebody gets certified. And we both agree that that doesn't make you an expert. What do they do next? Like, what is the what is the next step for you when people complete any kind of basic level certification class? Cool. I, I would love to say that you are in a setting where you've gone to certification and your leaders, people around you, have already planned for you to have some follow-on whether it's additional training or coaching or one-on-one. Now, that's rarely going to happen, but that's the ideal state, right? You've got somebody who knows how to do this. They're willing to work with you to experiment, to figure out how to apply it, to go ahead and pivot, put things into place and try it. Now, if you don't have a coach. safety for you to run experiments and things like that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So let's say you don't have a coach, you know, hasn't been in the budget, wasn't part of it. You paid for it yourself, whatever it is. Right. You still want to be able to do those things. You just need to be able to kind of, I think, have the, what's the word? The gumption, the uh, moxie, the moxie to, <laughs> to try, right? Um, be open, transparent with your team. Hey, we're going to try this. Tell yeah. me what works. Tell me what doesn't. Let's pivot and then be willing to do the pivots, right? Not just be dogmatic. How many scrum masters have you seen come in and say, that's not how it works. That's not what I learned. I'm like, oh, you're not going to win any friends or influence anybody that way, right? So you or have to be able to. On them, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't inflict it on them. You have to really work with them. So there's that. The other thing that I would add is I think there is an opportunity, and there's so much content in the world. Uh, some of it's free, some of it's not free, just to keep learning, just keep educating yourself, you know, learning new techniques, learning new styles, going out and watching the videos or going to a class with somebody who disagrees. Yeah. Like there are certain approaches, you might call them methodologies or methods and approaches that I completely disagree with and would never do. I'll go take their classes just to learn what they're doing and figure out if it maybe a piece of that works. Maybe I'm wrong. So or maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe you're right or maybe you're wrong. Either one could be true. Yeah, um, maybe I'm right. 
<laughs> I feel like you have to be also open to being clumsy and bad at stuff. I mean, like I talk a lot about social engineering in the CSM class, and I don't think there's any way to have skill at that kind of stuff without being really awkward and clumsy with it in the beginning. Um, and so you have to you have to be okay with that and trying to develop something more than a sophomoric understanding of how this stuff works. It, sometimes that's hard. If you have a, let's, you know, if you individually are comfortable with the kind of clumsy, you know, stumbling around experimenting, but you are on a team and your management is not comfortable with that, right? They want pure perfection, predictability. They want stable velocity. They want to know that, you know, everything coming out of your daily standups into the weekly status report, you know, yeah. right? That kind of thing is, um, it's tough. And so I think you have to be able to be comfortable wearing two hats, right? You've got the, the clumsy experimenter with the team who you've built some safety with. You're trying to do your best as a team and part right. of that team member, but then you're masking or refinishing and revising how things look externally to the organization. And, and sometimes that means you have to, uh, not lie, but explain why your velocity has shifted or why certain things are looking different, why you had a heavier load of meetings, you know, over the last couple of, you know, sprints yeah. to try and build backlogs. You may have to explain things, but I think it's important to be able to, to operate in those weird settings as well. I think for me, like there's been a bunch of situations where I've been caught by some executive who's like, what the hell, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, yep. this was on purpose. And they're like, what? Yeah, you have an opportunity to feel really superior in those moments too, because you get something that they just don't understand, which doesn't help your career, but you get to feel like really, you know, like you're at a different yes. level. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned always learning. So I went through a long period where I would refuse to read books about agile. Like I just didn't want any part of it. But I think even if you're in that state, there's other things you can pursue outside of agile social things, learning about human behavior, other kinds of stuff, whatever does appeal to you. Because yeah. you have to make yourself a student of the people around you if you're going to be doing this kind of work. It's not just yeah. knowledge work. It's knowledge work with other humans. With other Absolutely. It's like understanding how others interact, how they behave, what drives and motivates them. I think that's that's part of the learning. I think the others around process, right? How do I yeah. take these ideas and simplify them or make them you know, work in a complex environment. You know, there's lots of things that, you know, not even related to agile or scrum specifically, but just continuing to learn from, from others or even joining communities. I mean, that's one of the things I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to kind of supporting is, uh, you know, whether it's a LinkedIn community or scrum Alliance community, other communities, just sharing those experiences and ideas and hearing from others. Yeah. Um, that's a, a really good point. So, and you also made me remember that I forgot to ask you to explain to these fine people what you do. Oh, what I do. That's a really good question. <laughs> Say, so you've been, what, I don't know how many years I've been doing the, the training and the consulting and working with lots of organizations. And so I'm kind of embarking on this. It's all in the same kind of vein of, of thought. Um, I'm going to pull out my brand of calling myself like kind of the agile alchemist. Oh, nice term I've kind of used yeah. loosely here and there, but I'm like, all right, let's just, let's go for it because really it's what it's about. Like you learn about all of these things. You've got all of these kind of basic 
fundamental, you know, tools, components, you know, materials. But really what you want to do is you want to create something valuable from it. And so it's like this idea of taking those basics and creating something of value is that, that alchemy side. And then partnering closely with this organization called Think Louder. Um, they do a lot of certification training. Uh, they've got a number of different trainers in the space. It's around CSM, CSPO. Uh, and I'm going to help to really figure out how do we build what's next, you know, beyond right. the certification. How do I, for individuals, you know, product owners, scrum masters, project managers, leaders, what's next for them yeah. uh, or teams, you know, really training of teams, coaching of teams, um, whether you're in a transformation oriented environment, you're just starting out, you're a startup, whatever it is, really kind of focusing on the, the what's next beyond those, those training sessions. Cool. I really like that alchemy idea. I mean, it you come out of a cert class, regardless of what kind of certification it is, and you've got, it's like a brand new instrument you've never played before. You kind of have a vague idea of how to play, but you're only going to be good with it if you try to use this stuff and find different places yep. where you can, can cut your teeth on it. And that is where, like, I feel like there's a small amount of learning that occurs in the training to get the cert. But the real value comes afterwards when you're trying to implement it and find different ways just to, to take it out of your pocket and use it. It's funny you mentioned instruments because you, know, you and I both have some musical background, and my a lot of what I'm thinking around, you know, how do I support individuals or teams that are going through that learning journey? And a lot of it's really kind of based on some of those things I learned around band. Right? You come yeah. to class, you're in class for an hour, maybe an hour a day, so you know couple of hours a week but you're learning some basics and that's where you're interacting with others it's that individual going off and practicing you know doing the same thing 40 times at home annoying your parents and you know you know your family and all that kind of stuff <laughs> um where you get the practice and so that's what i want to set up is you know how do i support people uh in a community setting in the training yeah. setting but also then what tools and what techniques can you give people as individuals you know whether it's a template to try or it's a video to watch or there's some you know additional learning something to go read uh some conversation to come in and sit on on a friday afternoon you know yeah. learn from others those are the types of things that i think really add value is just continuing to add different uh forums and medium for learning to and that. the collaboration is really i mean i've had some recent learning experiences and taking a course where i collaborated with others because i was forced to and it is what made the course valuable like i, I mean if you left me alone i would always work by myself but yeah. um every single time i'm in a collaborative environment the results are so much more profound than when i'm just doing stuff by myself yeah absolutely Sometimes it's a little painful at times for some of us Always, that prefer yeah. to be independent. But, yes, but, but exactly. that's part of learning too, is putting yourself into that space where you're vulnerable and you're uncomfortable and you're letting other people help you see things that you can't see by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, if people want to reach out to you and find out more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way for them to do it? Best place to contact me is LinkedIn. So look me up. Okay. connect there uh from there there will probably be links to multiple other places uh and then if you want to learn more about specifically kind of the the training coaching opportunities at think louder think is a great place to go visit and learn more about that and reach out to me there cool all right thanks man appreciate it always a pleasure mm -hmm.